Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. This is our last day in Colossians. It's sort of the finale of Paul's letter. As, as he's ending this letter by mentioning a number of people who, like you, they are people in church who are loving and serving and caring and giving. And as a result, Paul is going to be honoring them. And when you think about the churches that Paul was writing to, not just the Colossians, every church that he's writing to, well, they're all brand new churches. At some point, that's true of every church, even ours. That there was a time where a group of people came together and said, let's do this thing called church. We belong to Jesus. We believe that other people need Him. And we're going to get our hands dirty, and we're going to see this church come into existence. And for Benton Heights, that was 80 years ago. Well, it doesn't matter how old the church is. You look at what God has to say to New Testament churches especially the one like the Colossians that we've been studying for the last three months. And you reason that God would have something similar to say to us. They were a healthy church, that church in Colossae. We're a healthy church. They didn't have drama. We don't have drama. They didn't have conflicts. We don't have conflicts. There weren't a lot of heretics and false teachings that needed to be rebuked. There were simply godly people who needed to be loved on, encouraged, and instructed. And Paul is going to give some final instructions and encouragement today, and we'll see that in just a second when we get to Colossians 4, beginning at verse 2. These are the final directives from Paul. Remember, he's far away. He's writing a letter to the church in Colossae while Paul himself is in prison, so he can't go and visit. He's got to write this letter. Here's the beginning of the end, if you will. Paul says to them, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Those three especially will come back uh, to play a major role in just a second. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, Paul writes, that God may open a door for our message. That is, that, that Bible teaching may go out from us so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, that Jesus is our Savior, that He died for our sins, that He rose again victorious to give us life eternal. We may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, he says. That's a reminder that he's in prison. And let me say this about the Apostle Paul. No one would hire him to be the pastor of a church today. I mean, think about it. Here's his resume. He's never been married, doesn't have any children. He was the murderer of the first church deacon, one of the first church deacons, and everywhere he goes, he causes a riot. Not exactly what a pastor nominating committee is looking for. But here's the deal with the Apostle Paul. If God can use him... God can use anybody. 
The point is Paul's life belongs to Jesus, and Jesus gave him a fresh, clean start, and God has used him mightily. Verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then he's, his instructions to them, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. First thing that he wrote today, I said we'd come back to that. Devote yourselves to, the first thing he said was prayer. Individually, collectively as a church family, start by being prayerful. Maybe more times than not, that's something we all struggle with. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and your prayer life isn't all that strong. Let me bottom line for you prayer as simply as I can. It's meeting your dad. And the key to prayer is not to focus on prayer. The key is to focus on getting to know God, your Father. If you have a Father who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-forgiving, all-present, all-capable, His heart is always inclined towards you, and He seeks only good for you, what would you talk to Him about? Everything. Dad, I had a great day today. Let me tell you about it. Dad, I didn't have a great day today. Let me tell you about it. Dad, I, I learned something. Let me share this. Dad, I, I'm so confused. Help me understand. Dad, I'm scared. Will you go with me? If you have a loving, gracious, merciful, compassionate, ever-present, devoted dad, you don't have to focus a lot on talking to him. It just comes natural. You notice that. How many of you are parents and with your kids, you love them, you're there for them, and when they start to talk, they talk to you. That's just what happens. If the parents are loving and present, then eventually when the kids start talking, they talk to them. So prayer is about learning how to talk to God as your Father. That's all it is. And what it means is there's always something to talk to your Father about. You're worried about someone? Pray for them. You're in need? Bring it to Him. Something you're grateful for? Let Him know about it. There's something you're confused by, share that with Him. There's something that's broken your heart, bring it to Him that your heart may be healed by Him. If you don't know which way to go or you're overwhelmed, ask God to guide you and He will encourage your heart. You know you've done something wrong, you've blown it big time. Repent. That means Seek Him out, bring it before the Lord, and He will forgive you. And let me say this about prayer. If all you have is prayer, then you have all you need. You see, God doesn't need prayer. People do. You do. And He wants to heal your heart through prayer. 
and give you clarity through prayer and give you hope through prayer and, and begin to reduce and release your anxiety because you've got a dad who loves you, a dad who cares about you, a dad who knows you, a dad who's always there for you. So when Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, it's another way of saying, keep talking to dad. The second thing Paul says is to be watchful. Now, in the New Testament, there are a couple of different ways to understand that phrase. For instance, in 1 Peter, when Peter talks about being watchful, it's because we have to be actively seeking what the devil is prowling around trying to do to destroy us, trying to get our eyes off of Jesus. So Peter, in that case, cautions us to be on watch, be on guard for what Satan's going to try to do. Here, however, Paul has a different use of that term, being watchful. For him, it's looking for opportunities. That's what he means. So what he's saying is look and see what God is doing. Look around you. Look who's in front of you. Look who's there to be loved, to be served, to be prayed for. Because as God's people, we're on a mission for Jesus. There are opportunities for ministry all around us. But all too often... We're distracted by our own stuff that we don't look around, and so we don't see who's hurting, we don't see who's confused. And here's another way to think of being watchful. The latest statistics for Union County show a population growth of 2.06%. That's from 2016 to 2017. 2.06% doesn't sound like a whole lot. But that accounts for 4,481 new people in Union County. And guess what? There are several new housing developments being built all around us. Well, all these people are going to be new people. They're going to show up. And they're going to come to our schools and they're going to be the new kid. They're going to move into the neighborhood, and you know what happens in neighborhoods. Everyone drives their car into the garage, shuts the door, and nobody's being watchful. They're going to go to the grocery stores, and they're going to be like, I don't know anybody, and no one knows me. So being watchful means, hey, you're new in the neighborhood. Welcome. How can I be of help? Someone new at school, hey, you're new. Welcome. Hey, you're new at church. Welcome. It's an opportunity to love, to serve, to bless. Third, Paul instructs them to be thankful. He says, be devoted to prayer, be watchful, be thankful. Paul's instructing them to be thankful. Now, remember, where is Paul at this moment when he's writing his letter? He's in prison. How many of you would not write, I'm sending encouragement cards to you from jail? He's chained up and he's writing a letter to other people to encourage them and teach them how to be thankful. How does Paul do that in that situation? It's because he sees that this life is going to come to an end and there is, an, there is a reward awaiting him. And he's got a lot to be thankful about. 
So in our lives, sometimes the bad seems so overwhelming, so dominating about our lives. And what happens is we live in fear and anxiety. Uh, There's this problem. Oh, I can see that's going to be a crisis. Here comes another issue. And the fact is, oftentimes what we're afraid of doesn't even end up happening. How many of you have have had that? Sometimes, either what's bad on the horizon doesn't come or it comes, but it's not as bad as you thought. So what Paul is saying, even in the midst of no matter what your situation is, what Paul is saying is don't forget God's presence. Don't forget God's provision, God's goodness, God's grace in your life. Don't overlook that. It's us as Christians saying, God, you are present, you are good, you have shown up, you are doing things, you have gotten me through before, and that gives me hope for the things yet undone. And what that does is it allows us to have an attitude of gratitude, and that comes from seeing God's provision in your life and being thankful for what He has done and looking forward to what He is still yet to do. Be prayerful, be watchful, be thankful, and then Paul kind of closes this whole letter with being relational. Let me reread some of what he has said. He said to them, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. That's newcomers. That's the new people. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. That means when you talk to people, bring the love of God with you into that conversation. When you talk to people, bring the kindness of God with you. Bring the hope of God with you. This is about being a relational person, being the person who initiates. It doesn't matter if you're introvert, extrovert. If you're a Christian... People matter to God. We worship Jesus who came from heaven to earth looking for a relationship with us. That means we can go across the street, we can go across the room. Life is not meant to be lived alone. This world can be a very lonely place. And there are lots of people who need people to love them. What he's talking about is loving people as God has loved us. Pursuing people as God has pursued us. Having the affection toward other people as God in Christ has had affection towards us. And what stops us on many occasions from talking to people is we're afraid that if they find out that we're Christian or churchgoers, they may ask questions for which we don't have answers, so we choose just not to engage. It's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to say, you know what, that's a really good question. Let me try to get some answers for you. But I can do this right now. How can I pray for you? You ask someone, can you pray for them? I don't care who it is. I don't care if they're believers or not. Very rarely will you hear no. And then maybe you follow that up with, hey, would you like to go to church with me? Can I get a Bible for you? 
I am a Christian. And if you have questions that you would like to talk through, I'd love to follow up with you. You see, it's about leaving the door open. That's what Paul is talking about relationally because people matter. God values people. God cares about people. So at the end of this book, the whole idea is love people, serve people, respect people, care about people, honor people. And then what follows, how Paul is going to end this entire letter to the Colossians is by mentioning and thanking and honoring a lot of people that he's in a relationship with. Now, these names may not mean much to you, but it's about a church, a group of people like you who have loved and prayed and given and served. And if this letter was delivered to Benton Heights Presbyterian, believe me, if your name was listed, you'd pay attention. So here's the big idea. God values people who serve His church, and through His church, these people are valuing other people, and ultimately, we're all valuing our relationship with the Lord. And let me say two more things about these people before I read these closing verses. Number one, they may not be familiar names, but they are brothers and sisters. And there's a day that's coming. There's going to be this great reunion. And we'll all be around the throne of Jesus, standing next to these faithful ancestors of faith. And the second thing about these Christian brothers and sisters is that Paul, remember, has never visited the church in Colossae. But he knows those people, and he he loves those people in that church. Because of his connection to the people whose names we're about to read, they know those people. Paul gets to know them through these others. Here's how Paul ends his letter to the Colossians. He mentions Tychicus. He says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances. He may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus. We heard his story a little bit last week. He was one who was enslaved And in the Roman Empire, one-third to one-half of all people were slaves because there was indebtedness. And so they had to work off their... It'd be like credit card debt right now. It was working to pay that off. Onesimus was was the, the property of somebody. But he was able to gain his freedom, and he became a believer in Jesus Christ. He's coming with Onesimus. Tychicus is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. In other words, he's from your congregation. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, like, oh, no, not that one. <laughs> What's your name? Jesus, oh, we've heard about you. I couldn't wait for you to get here. I've got some fish and some loaves. I'd love to see you do that again. And he'd say, well, no, that's, uh, I'm not that Jesus. Just call me justice. <laughs> Jesus, who is called justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. 
Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and, at, and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to, the, and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. And tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Last verse, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. Looking back over this list, who are these people really? Well, let me tell you briefly how God used each one of them and what Paul thought of them. He begins with Tychicus, and he says of him, he is a dear brother, a faithful minister and servant in the Lord. Tychicus is the example of someone that Paul can depend upon. We all need people like that, don't we? Next is Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. This is someone whose life has been transformed by the message of Jesus Christ, and he has been given a new identity. He then mentions these three together, Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, and says of them, they have proved a comfort to me. These are the people who encourage you when you're down. Next on the list is Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God. This is someone who is a prayer warrior, who is also a hard church worker. Next is mentioned Luke, the doctor. This is someone who is a life, a longtime friend of Paul's. He is also the author of the gospel of Luke and Acts. So he's a researcher, but he's a doctor. His ministry is as a medical doctor. He's not a pastor, he's not an apostle, but he uses his skills then to help, to encourage, to bring healing, and turn people to Jesus Christ. Next on the list is Demas. Now, his inclusion on this list is interesting. At one time, he quit on the Lord, but he must have restarted his walk with Jesus. Demas is a testament to the fact that we shouldn't give up on anybody because Jesus never does. Jesus pursued Demas and brought him back into the fold, evidently. And then there's the mention of Nympha and the church in her house. This is someone who is faithful, who is hospitable. She has opened her home. And evidently, a church meets in her house. And finally, Paul mentions of Archippus and says to the whole congregation in Colossae, tell him See to it that you complete the ministry you received in the Lord. This is somebody who's been given a task that they haven't done yet. 
And Paul was like, come on. Y'all, y'all rally around him. You can do this. But here's the thing. For everyone who has turned their heart over to Jesus, he has a ministry for you. If you don't know what that is, pray. Lord, what is my ministry? Lord, what is my position in this body? You see, it's all about living transformed lives. And whatever your situation is, God is bigger and He's at work in your life and He's going to come alongside of you just like He did Paul in prison and extend to you His immeasurable grace. And that's exactly what He does as we come together and celebrate this meal together. As we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.